You are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that doesn't use its cerebral nerves very much anyway. I'm your host, mm-hmm. Sybil Arnett, and with me is... Matt Marcus. I'm Garrett. Chris. Also, you're supposed to write a joke there, not a fact. <laughs> today we're talking about Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans, Episodes 1 and 2. Content yeah. warnings for today's batch include... Very precisely counted child deaths, on-camera child murder, and on-camera child murderers of both varieties. We are in a new season, so here's the quick background. Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans began airing in October 2015, following Gundam Reconquista in G, which wrapped earlier that year in March. While Reconquista was not a financial failure, it was a critical disaster, especially since it was possibly the final Yoshiyuki Tamino written and directed Gundam series, and designed as a Gundam for the next generation. IBO, meanwhile, was under the care of director Tatsuyuki Nagai from Toradora, A Certain Scientific Railgun, and others, and writer Mario Kada, also on Toradora, mm-hmm. the woman called Fujiko Mine, O Maidens in Your Savage Season, who had mm-hmm. worked together on a few high-profile joints now and were handed the keys to the Gundam Kingdom. There is a definite irony to the fact that in a lot of people's minds, IBO succeeded where Reconquista didn't. The story involves a lot of themes of the younger generation suffering under the boot on their neck of a complacent past one, and what lengths they'll go to to change this for the better. It would also be the first Gundam series to suffer what has become a curse around the franchise's neck on television, and the reason it's part of this cycle sequence, Split Seasons. After the first 25 episodes, Iron-Blooded Orphans went off the air for six months to return for a heavily retooled Season 2 within days of its one-year anniversary. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Much later, Three like years maybe from two now. years from now. <laughs> it won't be that long. It's not going to be that long because I think you've forgotten how short Big O is. Yeah, Big O's really short. And then, like, what, a 20-episode season is what, 13 episodes? That's a long time, actually. That 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 is most of a year. That it's like half a year. Half I'd a say year. we're at two years out. Mm-hmm. Not three. Enjoy years. it. Uh, this is my this is my favorite pick. A problematic fave. Mm-hmm. We'll kick it off with episode one, Iron and Blood. Uh, the series begins with two orphans in an alleyway, one firing a gun that knocks him on his ass. And uh, this is uh, Mikazuki, who mostly gets referred to as Mika. And Orga, the former who is a subservient of the latter, uh, probably just because they're kids, and I think Orga's older. Orga is a little older. Three to four yeah. years older, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, we then flash forward to the two lads in front of a uh, hangered mech, and there's someone to work, and we're off to the races. Uh, it's notable that Orga's, like, taking a nap. Uh, so I guess this is like a, like a dream flashback for him. And uh, we are currently on Mars in the uh, Brawl territory, which is uh, in the uh, Kirisei uh, Autonomous Region. We now follow the CGS, the Kirisei um, Guard Squadron, and their job today is getting a Martian independence representative to Earth alive. How very Gundam Wing of them. Um Orga and his second-in-command, Biscuit Griffin, the best character, both have reservations, especially in that their unit, the third group, is a mess of undertrained child soldiers. Um, Mika is doing mech uh, drills as a pilot. We see other members of the team in the field with their uh, superiors are whipping them to work harder at drills, like setting landmines, to then remove the landmines the next day. Um, and there is an argument over a meal. Mika nearly rips a man's nuts off in defense of his friend. You gotta. <laughs> He's a bro. <laughs> I, I do like um, the the scene of the uh, fighting drills where they're using paintballs, basically. Uh, like the animation on that's really cool. These little uh, these little mechs that are like on treads and kind of yeah. the way they like skid around and like shoot at each other is just pretty neat. I like how they made Mika's white to be like, he's going to pilot the Gundam. (laughs) Uh, Mika and a couple other characters get white slightly more advanced loaders. Yeah. Yeah, Because Akihiro will also pilot a Gundam. I was going to say, I haven't (laughs) called Akihiro out much yet just because he's basically got three lines. Yeah. Isn't that the guy who kind of looks like Guts? Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy who looks like Guts. Yeah. Not kind of, a lot. 
<laughs> yeah. So the, one of the weird things about this show is that I feel like character designs are all over the place. Like, I feel like there's like three or four different animes happening right now. It's no, really weird. it's there's. Okay, this happens a lot in a lot of Gundams where there's main character syndrome and you can tell who matters because of their art style. Yeah. There's that, yeah. but I also just think they're like children. We can make them even more different. Like, I, I could tell you Mika was going to pilot the robot because he's he's got the protagonist face. Like, he is a protagonist. You just know that. He's also you can tell who's bad because, like, all the space Europeans are, like, extremely, like, twinky. Yeah, if someone's wearing a uniform that isn't just open-shirted fatigues, you should probably be concerned about their morals right now. Mm. Uh, speaking of people with dubious morals, we meet Princess Kudelia Aina Bernstein, who has uh, only a few reservations. She's been agitating for Martian independence uh, this whole time, but only suddenly is her father going to go, Okay, sure, go do something about it. I support you. And it uh, raises some red flags. Her mother so, ignores so, qu- what? Qu- question. So, like, so the so your sub say Bernstein because my sub say Bernstein. Shut the fuck up. Fuck man. you. <laughs> you have to You're delete also all of that. The audio only from this person who could make that joke without being accused of anti-Semitism. <laughs> well, by the way, this this is a uh, this is Matt's character in the show right here. Uh, her mother oh. ignores her concern. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> She's a red one. Don't I do worry, worry about, about it. it. <laughs> She's the red one. It's you saying it's it. Fine. Of course I worry about it. Also, also, you we you kind of spoiled what happens to her when we talked about Code Geass. A little Whatever. Bit. She's little fine. Bit. Did I? What yeah, for now? She's for now. She's fine. Well, that, yeah, for now. <laughs> Look, you don't know when for now isn't. Uh, I don't remember fine. what happens. I don't know how nothing I bad this happens to, you. to anyone know. in the show. I just rewatched season one. Yeah, <laughs> Biscuit and his Biscuit and his sisters are fine. Oh yeah, yeah. The Griffin family gets to, nothing bad happens to a Griffin in a series with a guy who looks like guts. Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Her mother ignores Gudelia's concerns, and so she begins complaining to her maid, uh, who seems more attentive, uh, mostly because you pay her to be. That's her whole deal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we also learn that the choice of the third group as escort is Kudelia's own choice. Try to learn more from their experiences um, as people of the same generation as herself. Just less rich, doing literal misery tourism. The rich gotta, gotta learn how the common people live. I knew you'd love that. Just fucking her eye, just her, just her fucking, oh, oh, her monocle just exploding out of her eye when she tries to get a handshake later. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's such a good scene. Uh-huh. I just love to see, like, her NPR libs getting owned in this show. Speaking of liberalistness, let's talk about Gialerhorn by their Martian HQ base Ares, a space station above the planet. These guys are neo-libs, not red-libs. That's really what it is. Is It's just, here's how all the different forms of liberalism do violence to people. It's a bad time to be on Mars and leftist. That's all I'll say. We see Kudelia's father sweating in a conference with Gjallarhorn commander Coral Conrad. And we can tell who has the actual power here because the man is selling his daughter out. Gellerhorn is, in theory, the peacekeeping force between the planetary bodies after events we don't know about yet, but their leadership seems to have some other plans. Three soldiers, Crankzent, Orla Stejna, and Eindalton, are sent out as part of a plan to put down this rebellion early. Does this take place in a in one of the Gundam timelines at a point nope. where what happened Completely before it matters? Completely original. Yeah, I was going to ask that too. I think it's its own timeline. Does it have a cool name? Crank. Uh, it does have a name. I will get it for you. One minute. He's called Crank because he's old and upset, Matt. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Not because he's going to crank that soldier boy? (laughs) Crank is that shoulder soldier boy, yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) It's just called Post-Disaster. Yep. Uh, That's not as cool. (laughs) That's what it's called whenever we post. Uh uh (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, there's some uh, 
downtime that night at the uh, CGS base, and uh, we learn of all the child pilots. Uh, we learn that they were implanted with the uh, Ayala uh, Vijnaha system. Alaya Vijnana. Vijnana, sorry. Vijnana system. And uh, it's colloquially called Whiskers. And uh, it's just, it's a spinal interface that they just shove into your back. And it makes you compatible uh, with mechs because now you can, you know, you have enhanced uh, spatial awareness and, uh, you know, and reaction time. And this is so fucking gnarly. (laughs) Yeah, well. Matt, it's fucking connected directly to their spinal nerves. No, I I know, and like they, it's it's very effective. It, they use it very effectively uh, in terms of how the show works. I'm gonna just drop something that comes in slightly ahead of where we are in the show. Hey, Matt, this it's is effective also, as in gross. Yeah, this that's is what also I mean. a system that, especially for children, you have a low survival rate on. I think it's six out of ten of the people they implanted in uh, Jesus. The last incoming group lived. Yeah, because yeah. I think they mentioned it. Like, you can only do this surgery on children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's awful. Yeah. And basically, what is it? Like, what, by the time you grow up, you're you're like, you can't do it anymore. Let's right? revisit I... that six out of ten. That's six out of ten in the last batch when they were good at doing this. Yeah. Oi, oi. Yeah. No, but by effective, I mean, like, it's a good narrative tool of, Wow, how fucked up this whole situation is. Also, Chris, this is the same thing as as the Reggie's last episode, where it's like, once you become an adult, you're, you're functionally useless. <laughs> I told you. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, can't wait to find out boy. what that is. Yep. <laughs> also, <laughs> oh, you will. So wait, till you, wait till you find out when we find out that this thing. Oh no, Reggie and I saw. Is also a racial slur. <laughs> I saw all of the things being put Good into news. the chat. Just leave it. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it. You're just going to leave it in because that's what they're called and it's a name. Uh, it's part of uh-huh. a discussion. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so the next day, everything escalates. Uh, there are demonstrations in the streets about uh, Mars being under colonial rule. We see a young woman from a local shop whose name is Atra uh, weaving a friendship bracelet for Mika, even though I'm sure she wants more than friendship from him. Uh, She's and, like, uh, shut up, Matt. I you, that, look, she could be like twenty, and we don't fucking know. That's what anime does to you. It's no, like Delia is like twenty. Please, <laughs> the number of times I've been like, "How old is this character?" She looks was like wondering. she's. It's she's, so six, she's She look. She looks like no. She's um, uh, Atra. She looks like she's nine. What is happening? Jesus. Okay, exactly. okay. I called this out in the episode two bits where they show us, but. Everyone in the younger generation on Mars is to some degree starving or resource scarce. This is why we see a lot of children dying in the streets. So, yeah, a lot of people Uh have stunted growth. I like that the wiki doesn't have Kudalia's age. Let's play the game right now. How old do we think Mika is without looking at it? Because to me, Orgula's like 16, 17. Mika's like 10 to to 14 Um, tops. Orga, I got... Orga, I got like 1920 in my head. And then like Mika, I know like Mika, I was going to say 16 at most. And that was, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. 14. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty close on Mika. Like Atra oh, definitely does the person from look like a teenager. <laughs> okay. So I was a little off. Uh, he's 15 at the start of IBO. Hmm. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, so, but Atris is 15, yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, the close of that thought is, you should probably notice that third group, as shitty as their lives are, have actual food and are kept, like, in a place where they can sleep. They're some of the mm. best developed people of this generation yeah. because they're in this war machine. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm very glad that went to they have food and not they're better off because they're child no. soldiers, no. which is definitely what Gallahorn thinks. They got a job. Fucking yeah. the class... <laughs> Look, I can't I can't hang with this because the sweatshop argument has been making a comeback lately where it's good that they have any job. Fuck off. Oof. No, I just wanted to point yeah. out, they consistently regularly eat, which is not a thing that happens for a lot of people on Mars. Yeah, yeah, and they make that very clear in, in when they start doing, like, that montage. So, yeah, Atra, she wants to uh, give this 
friendship bracelet to Mika, and she knows that he's going to leave on a mission in a while. So she's got to uh, finish this up in, a, in the next day or so, so that it's ready for the next delivery. And yeah, so she's working towards that. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mika is picked out to escort Kudelia around the base as pre- as the preparations are headed by the adults. He is incredibly dry about it, just being completely without tact, especially when she stops him wanting to shake his hands to put them on a quote-unquote equal footing, and he shows his hand is covered in grime and oil. When she hesitates, he just waves it off and continues, oh, well, I guess we weren't on equal terms after all. I didn't call it out in the notes, but to get to this point, she has to remove a long arm-length glove just to extend her hand. Yeah, fucking That's how Princess Peach-ass motherfucker, come on. Mm-hmm. Well, she tried it with the glove first originally, and then the second time she takes it off. Yeah. yeah, And she's out of breath just trying to keep up with him walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, look, this isn't even the real thing. The fact that you can even demand that someone shake your hand and expect that they will is the thing that makes you so different. Not the fact that he even has a job. Fuck off. I mean, the thing is, in the scene before when they introduce themselves, it, it's like, not, I mean, it's clear that, like, none of the kids have, like, a sense of whatever decorum would be in this world. Like, they don't know how to react to introduce themselves. And that's to a point, right? Like, it's clearly that that's just not the life they've lived. And Yeah, they exist like, they, to be human shields for adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they, they're not even taught, like, the niceties of, like, how, like, in a military, you'd be taught how to do that. Like, and like, like, let's be real. They exist to be human shields for adults who exist mm-hmm. to ensure, like, the continued extraction of natural resources yeah. on Mars. They don't yeah. they don't even participate in the process of creating capital. They don't protect capital. They exist. They're a PMC. They're like like body armor for cops, basically. That's right. it. Yeah. No. And I'm and this whole thing is just it's really good characterization without, like, underlining it. That's Okada. Um, then that night, um, snipers take out the perimeter guards at CGS where Kudela is sleeping in the bunks with the troops so they can deploy in the morning. Um, unfortunately, they aren't enough and a flare is sent up. A resistance is mounted. Uh, Orga can smell a rat when the first group is trying to send his troops out first, but their bosses won't tell them who the enemy are. His troops quickly find out that their enemy have Ge- uh, Galahord's insignias on, and the whole thing is escalating. Orga and Biscuit put their own plans into motion, orders be damned as Mikazuki and the others take to the battlefield. Biscuit has moved the princess because Orga saw the target ahead of time. This keeps the CGS brass from just being able to kill her in her bed. Uh, the children aren't doing amazingly, given that half of them are basically in power loaders, not actual tanks with guns and stuff. But Mikazuki and the few and a few others, uh, like Akihiro mostly, are um, holding the enemy back. Biscuit lets the battlefield know that they've been abandoned by the adults and the brass the Orga are planned ahead, and like the adults are just fucking fleeing out of the opposite side of the mountain from combat. Yep. Mm-hmm. And at this. Some of the fleeing tanks begin firing off flares on Biscuit's command. They set this trap up last night, and it makes their former commanders into Gjallarhorn's target, now seeming to be the real force slipping away with the VIP. This only gives them a limited amount of time, though, before the enemy finds out the princess is still with third group, so a more desperate play gets invoked, especially when Crank, Orlis, and Ayn arrive from above not in tanks, but in full-armed mobile suits. Orlis, being a real son of a bitch, orders his uh, subordinates to find the princess, and so to cover their move, Mika is ordered to climb into that mech in the hangar below. Crank is incredibly furious on the battlefield because now he's just like, I gotta go look for a girl... And all of this could have been solved if we three guys in mechs came in ahead, but now half a unit is dead, and Crank is just pissed off that his men are dying for no reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, his entire trade of thought is interrupted by Orlis trying to play with his kills and catching the emerging Gundam Barbados mace right through the fucking shoulder. <laughs> uh Things yeah. that rule. The Barbados first move in the story is busting out of the earth like a slasher villain and killing Orlis before it hits the ground. That's sick. That it is was, sick. It was pretty sick. And I, I, I like that when... Mace, by the way. Mm. 
I also like that, like... Weapon is just a big stick. (laughs) (laughs) Things that suck about season two. This one goes on the list. Uh, And I I like next episode that they kind of explain that, like, oh, yeah, he's getting launched up even though there's, like, shit in the way. So, like, his dramatic entrance is actually, like, it's not just, it is for cool, but it's also, like, hey, we need to get it out there. Oh, hey, we just got to, like, bust our way through. And then it just happens to be the guy standing right there. I do also enjoy that uh, in Gundam Evolution, which I think will be dead by the time this comes out, rest in peace game. Uh, they did add the Barbados as a unit, and it was the bane of many players Insane. for most of that game's life. Yeah, it. if you got the right timing on the two-hit combo with the mace, you just instant killed 99% of frames. Nice. It was pretty good. It uh, made a lot of people very salty. Look, uh-huh, that game uh-huh. was really good, and it did really suck really bad. That, that was the case. Yeah, I liked it. But Bondi fucked it up on many levels, and I... What? Bondi messing something up? No way. Yeah, yeah. It, I can still be depressed that a very promising title ended up in the state it did. It is fair. It was just better Overwatch. Yeah. Mm. It was different Overwatch. I'm not going to say better. I'm not uh, saying It's better it's- than Overwatch is now. I was going to say, it's definitely better than the Overwatch it went up against. Mm-hmm. It launched right as 2 did and immediately tripped on its own dick. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is just silently shaking his head. <laughs> shame. It's a shame. No, it's not. Anyway, uh, we see the initial flashback from the beginning of the episode again. And uh, we we find that it's Orga. Well, we realize now that it's Orga and Mika in the alleyway. We and knew that, but we knew that. But just for the listener, since you didn't watch it and you don't know what these guys look like necessarily, um, Orga is the only person with dark skin, has white hair, and a purple shirt. He's one of the only people with full clothes. Mika mm-hmm. is like a tiny jacked bodybuilder child who's got kind of a dull expression on his face most of the time. He's got a little spiky black hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like Orga. Like the one detail on Orga's design that I like is that little like bit of hair in front that kind of cuts diagonally. It's like a diagonal bang um, because it's used to really good effect for his expression of like covering his eyes and then like giving him like like the badass like like look like looking like just underneath it and stuff. They do really good work with that, honestly. So yeah, Mika asks his usual question, which is, uh, uh, what do you want me to do now? And Orga, in both time periods, tells Mika and the third group, uh, we're getting away from here to somewhere better, all of us. And Mika, bleeding in his cockpit from jacking into his freaky new mech, nods in assent. Uh, you, you don't really see the side of his face where the blood's coming from, but you do see it dripping off of his chin, and then they explain it next episode. Which is yeah, right now, he's just in nosebleed territory. Once he starts using this more... Mm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we move on to episode two, um, Barbados. Um, I want to just off... point out yes. the dub is fucking stupid in that they have them all say Barbatos. I'm not calling it that. I am not calling it the Gundam Barbatos. I will probably end up calling it that by accident. But, but wait, we didn't talk about okay, the intro. Uh, they they play the intro music as the the closer for first episode, and they bring it into the. Uh, the yeah, I was just going to bring that up with the op in a minute. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but they they play it first at the, as the ending credits of episode yeah. one, which is fun. Yeah, it's it's great. It kicks off as the Barbados rips out of the earth. It's pretty sick. Anime stopped doing it because it became a meme, but it does in fact rock when the opening of the anime starts playing in the middle of the anime. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams are starting to play around with using your soundtrack in more creative ways, especially as you get major artists to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. Spy Family this season has an opening where they got the pillows and an up-and-coming J-pop superstar to just team up to do one track. Be the Beginning starts to do that because they got fucking Man With a Mission again and also Marty Friedman. We'll talk mm-hmm. about them shortly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and G Witch after this uh, does a really good job, at least in in the second core with the music. 
uh, the way they like overlap it. It works every fucking time. Also, Spy Family starting the good arc next week, so uh, go watch season two. Is the good arc the with the whatever the your arc is? Yeah, the cruise ship. Yeah, I know nothing about any of that. It's good stuff. Um, so we start episode two, uh, Barbados. Um, we start off with a flush uh, with a flashback to a few minutes prior in the hangar below the CGS base. Cudelia is present with Nadi, um, the CGS mechanic and one of the only adults Orga trusts. Um, he helps retrofit Mika's mobile loader parts and interface into the Gundam so that he has a way to connect to the device. The boy is warned in advance that it's going to have a lot more strain on the body than the loader did, um, though because of the scale and complexity of this machine, of what this machine takes in. Mika says he doesn't mind the risk of cerebral nerve damage. It's not like he uses those much anyway. Um, Cudelia is horrified at how casual he is about his own life and survival odds and or that the fact he can't read. Oh, she hates Mm. both, but that's what kicks it off. Mm Mm-hmm. It just, this is like what happens every day to protect your privileged lifestyle. Oh, so sad. This is like when when a person finds out about how ki- chickens are killed from KFC. <laughs> this is the same to her, basically. Mika snipes back that of course he cares about his own survival, but he cares about the survival of the entire third group much more than just his own life. Uh, she's not really fond of that, given that it doesn't quite refute her point. The mech activates, and Mika immediately has a massive nosebleed and slight seizure. Uh, Nadi tries to talk him out of this plan, but Mika recovers in a few seconds and says, I'm fine, so we should get this over with. The boy realizes what the mech is called now, illiterate or not, based on their link, and uh, it's chosen to launch it immediately through the blocked elevator because it's closer to the battlefield. Now we get our first uh, opening. It's uh, pretty good. It's Raise Your Flag by the band Man with a Mission. This band is weird as hell. I see Chris was already familiar with them. Anyone else? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because they, 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 they do the good anime intros, but also they're a bunch of freaks. Yeah. yeah. I, I looked them I looked them up when it came up with Be the Beginning and that they like they run around with the the wolf masks and they have characters and shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Look, more bands should have a lore. It's great, because yes, they declare themselves to be the genetic creations of Jimi Hendrix, master of guitar science and wolf lord, where they were frozen in Antarctica until they heard a radio on loop for years, and it caused them to emerge onto the music scene of Japan. Man, I would bet if, yeah, Jimi Hendrix would have been a furry and definitely would have been a wolf. I think that checks out. I'm the only one who has an opinion on this, apparently. I was just... Biting back the first thing that came to mind, which was a combination of, is it because he's black? And also, what do no. you think Janis Joplin's fursona was? That's a good question. Hmm. No idea. Probably- Sorry, my silence was long. I don't know, like a, like, a, like, a, like a... Who Jimi Hendrix was. <laughs> Puma. Oh, Jesus Christ, Chris. Uh, no, I, I just more of thinking, like, the... the, the kind of stuff that that jimmy wore the i don't know it just it just fits for me mm-hmm. That's he's the guy whose statue i walked into several times on the way to college uh so we return from the op to uh mikazuki having just killed orlis uh ein and crank move in to intercept except uh, sorry, even with their boss having been a huge piece of shit but Mika manages to uh, pull the Gundam classic of, uh, I might not be a technically skilled pilot, but my mech is so OP, uh, and you are you are level one trash, and I will kick your ass. And in Ayn's case, that means his mech loses an arm, and Mika positions himself to protect the ground troops um, with uh, the armored mech. So basically, like, he, he puts himself in front of the enemy soldiers, right, so that, like, right, they can't shoot at they won't don't want to shoot towards their own people, so he's using them as as kind of a shield, even though he's in front of them. Yeah. And uh, uh, but but unfortunately, in the rush to get uh, Barbados to the battlefield, uh, nobody fueled up the thrusters, uh, and so Mika's uh, about to lose his uh, huge mobility advantage in the middle of this skirmish. The skirmish is also really cool because it plays a lot with um because they're in like a desert area because Mars. And they do a bunch of, like, kicking up, like, the dirt and stuff to, like, use as, like, cover and to, like, sneak around and stuff. It's really cool. Environments do play into 
battles quite often in this series. Wait till we start getting to space combat. Yeah, there's some yeah, cool stuff there. Look, Iron Blooded Orphans definitely has, wow, some cool robots. I do like some wow cool robots. Crank orders Ayn and the rest of the Galahorn ground forces to retreat, his heart no longer seeing in this, seeing that they're fighting fucking children, and Mika makes a move to pursue before collapsing from a lack of blood. The survivors of the first group, meanwhile, take to this with ill tidings. The survivors returning to base and in the distance seeing a mass of the kids they left behind to die alive, well, and still armed. Um, there is an inset here of um, Atra making her delivery to the base and being stopped in her tracks by two disgusting shit kids. These are the words in the notes. Um, <laughs> in the road going, hey, hey, you have to stop or you'll run us over. All right. So based on anime rules, how old do we think these characters are before we look it up? Because they're seven. definitely like eight. They look like they're six or seven. Definitely. The twins are seven. But That's now I guess. think they're 30. Let's find out. <laughs> I don't see any ages listed for them. So they may they're, be another character where we just never find out. They're like eight to nine. Damn, I wonder why we never find out. Yeah, they, they look like they are very young. They act even younger. And you know what? Whatever. There will be smaller children, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And they will have silly names. We'll find it out shortly. No, it's fine. It's normal. It's good. Hey, they, uh, their father fucking hated them all, and it shows. <laughs> His dad, look, their father had owned the factory where they made those tins of variety cookies. He was a big man at the uh, sweets factory. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, back at the Gallahorn ground base, Crank is giving his report to Coral, who is none too pleased to hear. We didn't kill the princess. We lost Orlis. Most of a unit was killed off, and uh, we left evidence of this operation on the battlefield. This is the first time we hear the name drop of Noblis, which we uh, should remember. Crank refuses to go back out there and murder literal children, but his boss issues a direct order. You're to capture me, the princess, Kudelia, in two days, or you can get, or you can get fucked. Wipe out all the evidence that we were anywhere near here, and that means every witness and survivor, regardless of how old they are. On the ground, the first group survivors finally make it back, and now neither side trusts the other, especially with everyone alive, realizing they can't be allowed to live by Yellowhorn. And it is into this hornet's nest that Atra walks into at the base, where she has picked up the terrible twins, Biscuit's younger siblings, Cookie and Cracker. Okay, okay. All of those names are bad names. Her father was the inventor of Ritz. (laughs) Yeah, fucking, for one thing, these are all dogs' names, except for Cracker. I wouldn't call a dog Cracker, but like, Biscuit is a good dog name. Cracker is definitely a dog name if you're of a certain generation. Cracker Cracker is destined to be a podcaster. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, like, out of the three, that is definitely the worst name, like, out of all the- <laughs> Cookie is actually a nickname people use sometimes. Ah, uh, on the battlefield, the mechanic is removing a now-conscious Mika from the Barbados, saying that he couldn't sever the link while he was unconscious. The first thing Mika asks after waking up is what the death tell was. Forty-two third-group soldiers died, and over sixty of the first group. Uh, harder to get a count on them when they're still out on the battlefield. Atra waits for him to come back in to give him the bracelet, and she is only a little alarmed by how much his face is caked with blood. He's just like, oh, cool, and walks in. She does not give him the bracelet in her shock, but she decides to shame herself rather than him for her failure in this moment. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to another of Cadelia's speeches for independence, talking about uh, the four Earth economic factions uh, who are throwing an entire generation of Martians into uh, despair and poverty. It was really like a divide and conquer kind of thing. And uh, the sequence plays out over footage of children in the streets uh, looking uh, way visibly worse than uh, the children in the third group. Like it's 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 gnarly. This um, is the worst, by the way, because this is just basically Mayor X lives like a homeless person for a day. For political points is really what we're doing here. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's wild that she's even aware of the third group in the first place in order to request their um, whatever. Help. <laughs> she goes into Google Maps and types in child soldiers near me. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what it is. So yeah, I, just, that's what it is. I just learned about the trend of in larger cities businesses setting up their new restaurants as things like Taiwanese food near me being the name to try and like yeah. game the system yeah. on that. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of rules. <laughs> it's terrible, yeah. but I like it. Do it. Yeah. Do what it, you got to do. It seems to work if you uh, hit the right niche. Uh-huh. 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 Uh, man, I haven't had like food today, so that would be Meanly. amazing. Um, Same. Good news. I've been, I've been, been up a lot longer than you, Dominoes. Is that true? Is that uh, okay, I've been up three and a half hours. Man, <laughs> you know, the, the, this, unfortunately, uh, this uh, show is no longer supported by Pizza Hut. Uh, we moved off of that, and so we have to move on to another uh, pizza chain. Little Caesars. Domino's <laughs> does have pizza. the song about the uh, pepperoni and the bread. What? Mm. That's true. Oh, that. That comes out of someone I know doing streams and getting sponsored by it, so they had to go through a whole routine. Oh, fun. Yeah. <sighs> so, the speech ends snapping to scenes of the body bags closing on the dead in the dirt. Uh, Cadelia's attendant returns to her side from question mark, question mark, question mark. I swear we just came from Code Geass, and I think we have another maid who's also a ninja somehow. I don't think she's a ninja. I think she's very much just a spy for the father. Yeah. What is I a kind of spy but a modern day ninja? I don't know why I expected her to be a cyborg or something or like a robot, but so also because I'm possible. It's possible. I just, I, I, it just makes me think of like Pluto because, you know, Who I just watched. Have you seen this before? I have. Okay. I've seen like half of it and don't remember. Great. Yeah. yeah. I'm keeping things vague because I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she claims she was told to call the regent if something went awry and their orders are returned home immediately after the attack. Cadelia refuses, saying the mission was supposed to be in full secrecy, and yet her father, against independence, was supportive the one time that uh, suddenly there was an attempt on her life. She cannot trust him enough to return until her hunch is proven wrong. Uh, Mika wanders into the room, earning her thanks. He snaps back that her thanks doesn't mean jack shit. He is the one out there trying to keep more people from dying in her defense. This is what finally pushes her to go rogue. And we won't see what that means until next episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the back rooms of the bunker, Orga takes the brunt of the first group's rage for his troops being beaten to a mess by the older men. He comes out of this grinning when the first group walks off, suggesting, Fuck this, let's do an armed rebellion! We drive the tanks with the guns on it. Let's just fucking get to work. Uh, the rest of the team are apathet- ranged from apathetic to on board, but Orga says the whole thing comes down to what Mikazuki thinks on it, saying that if he turns me down, the plan's off. Because, uh, boy, do not want him to be on the other team. <laughs> at, Gellahorn's, mm-hmm. at Gellahorn's base, Crank says he's going alone to finish the job, no matter how much Ayn wants to come with his boss. The older man says that he has a plan, but he won't drag Ayn down with him. Out on the battlefield, only the Barbados remains. Mika is fueling it up to move back to base when Orga approaches him. Orga asks if Mika will do a favor for him and hands him a gun, and Mika just takes it and goes, Sure. (laughs) We find out, no matter what, Mikazuki will have Orga's back due to their past, and Orga has a half smirk as he just goes, Knew I could count on you while calling out. You're not even going to ask what it is? You know, I'm surprised they, that the the first group didn't just execute Orga because they probably have grounds to. And they should have just done that. <laughs> they also know that they're going to have to deal with more Gyalurhorn attacks immediately. And then yeah, Orga I guess is like the unit leader. Do you want to like do that right before you need the unit to work? That's fair. That's fair. But you think that like he literally just tagged them all to die. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I guess we'll just beat the shit out of you. You know I, they'd kill who him. Who cares? That's fucking if, fair. If yeah. they'd taken out the princess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Aboard the Ares, a transport we haven't been mentioning much thus far uh, 
it arrives uh, with majors uh, McGillis, Farid, and Gallio Baldu- Balduin. Baldwin. 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 <laughs> sounds French. Don't respect uh, it. Uh huh. And uh, it's also because like the first name sounds Italian, sort of. It's like anyway. These dudes just, are more earthbound than some of the troops on the Ares, which is what you should be taking. Right. Yeah. They're the independent inspectors sent to watch over things in this time of turmoil. And they're greeted by Coral at the dock. And he's tried to sidelight them immediately, say, hey, we uh, we made a party for you. We're going to, you know, just kick back, relax, have a good time. And McGillis just sees right through this saying like, hey, shut up. We got to do it an inspection. Just let us do it. Don't bother The thing us. he pushes back on is let us bring you the data you need to make your report. <laughs> But his line is, we'll do the inspection at our own leisure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coral bites his lip and leads them onwards, hoping Crank is doing his job down below before the inspectors can arrive. And I don't know how that helps him at this point, but sure. The thing is, Crank is supposed to get rid of proof Gjallarhorn was there because they have a dead Gjallarhorn mech on that battlefield. Yeah, because they're basically doing like they're doing corrupt shit, basically. Sure, right now. sure. Yeah, no. And, and the thing that I that, that confuses me about it is that, like, okay, so now you have to explain why you sent these people out on this mission, and clearly some damage happened, and you have to find some bullshit explanation for that. Well, also, oh, conveniently, so and so is dead. Uh, you know, uh, Kudeli is dead. It, there's something about it that doesn't make a ton of sense, but it was probably a stupid plan to begin with. For, well, for their job is to arrest Kudelia. He said. Bring Kudelia back to me within two days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Gallahorn is like, they're just basically out here protecting, like, the post-World War II liberal order. Mm-hmm. And Kudelia threatens that and they want to arrest her. He's like, what if this could never happen and I could continue to just extract hard and take it off the top? Mm-hmm. Also, if you were a little more familiar with basic Gundam, we're playing kind of a start of Zeta status quo here thing. It just doesn't go the same way. D- did we we didn't talk much about like the head of the first group, that president dude who's like basically just completely bails and is gone now <laughs> with his bag yeah. full of like pearls and gold bars. Yeah, yeah, and like and he had a, he had a gun like a like a vintage gun collection of like muskets and shit on the wall. Yeah, the uh, the head of CGS has fled town and looted as much of the place as he can, and first group and third group have been left to die as cover. Yeah, yeah, so he just bamps out of there. Uh, we hear the ending for the first time. This one, the soulful track Orphans No Namida by Misia. Misia so, is so a good. big a big deal. She is a Japanese vocalist on the tier of, I'm using this for Westerners, Utada Hikaru in terms of the heights her career has hit, and she's been working at the same level for the same length of time. That's it. That either has you excited to dig into her works on your own, or you don't give a shit and nothing more I can write here will sum that up. Both women compete for a lot of sales records and similar prestige in the same field. Mm-hmm. With that done, any thoughts, anyone? This is the good shit. This gun. This is the Gundam that hates libs as much as I do. This is like just right away, just really, really good. Uh, I think, yeah. like th- at the beginning, it's a little confusing because there's a lot of players, and you know, there's little different parties that are being pitted against each other, and they're not introduced super well at first. You kind of figure it out later. Yeah, because like the, these inspector dudes, they just show up and they're just chatting at you like giving you exposition and it's like what are they doing who are they what's going on and then you figure it out i'm Um, trying to make sure that the notes introduce details as the show does because i could dump a lot of things but if stuff doesn't come up until episode five if i tell you what mcgillis and galio's deal is that's not going to stick in your head no and also it's just that's what the show is trying to do for you anyway and also people are, are of factions but not necessarily working completely aligned with their faction goals exactly yeah that that's the thing that was a little confusing about it um but besides that like the characterization work is really good uh like there's a lot of things that are not like being shoved shoved in your face as much like i like the the handshake scene a lot um and it really just doesn't waste any time whatsoever being like okay here we are here are the stakes here's the next thing that's going to happen and you're like you like you fucking like, yeah, you can tell Cadelia sucks. 
in her particular flavor. And, you know, there's also like the first group is also terrible for different, like there's so many layers to it already just laying yeah, it out. First group and I is think like it's really strong. Your middle manager. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're also part of the system, but they also suck a lot. Like they're, they're both victims and victimizers. You know, it's, it's that kind of complexity. You don't see a ton of like, we didn't see this kind of shit in go Geass, right? No, it was so really more black and white. Popcorn show. <laughs> yeah. The most we saw was the slow dawning realization of a lot of Black Knight's commanders that, oh, he would use us like this. Yeah. Yeah. Like the mask is off, even though it wasn't yeah. really on to begin yeah, with. Yeah, he was just the Shrek meme of a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> <laughs> they were who we thought they were. Um. Yeah, no, I I was like immediately at make man. I want to watch the next episode. I w- I want to see this this coup get pulled off, and uh, I had to stop. Which you know I don't that doesn't happen very often on on this show. Shout outs to the in show music, by the way, like particularly the like like slow guitar track, really good. Yeah, Garrett thoughts. Wow, cool robot. <laughs> the robot is cool. Cool robot. It cool is a cool politics. Robot. Cool everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, notably about IBO, like, yeah. I'm the wow, cool but, robot meme, but also, like, wow, cool politics. Yeah. <laughs> cool isn't, wow, like, cool interesting, robot. not that the politics are, coo- are cool. Wow, wow, correct politics, wow. Like, not just robot, robot cool all the time, that's Gundam's deal, right? Yeah. But the thing mm-hmm. that Gundam can fall down on almost all of the time is fight choreography, which IBO, like, is incredible on. Oh yeah. All the fights are really good. I wonder if the reason for that is partly because like, I feel like IBO is very like almost kind of low tech in its, in its mech design. Like Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not a lot of lasers. IBO is like real robot as far as close as to real robot as Gundam gets. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, There's a lot of little, details i haven't been calling out much in the notes to keep it flowing but yeah there's a pseudo minovsky particle tech that's been mentioned in some of the reactors yeah, yeah uh, we, we have, have, they, they have yeah it's moby tech week on pitch trip <laughs> there's oh my a God, lot of right. <laughs> different things and yeah this series starts out going what was good about the original Gundams, and then how do we play with that in the modern day? Especially since we're not working under 1979-1981 television standards and practices. This is like the best use of the Gundam money. Yeah, it's real good. There are some, it's one shows, of the there are some Gundam shows that obviously don't get the Gundam money, because they're <laughs> this one got the Gundam money big time. Gundam Seed Destiny Freedom coming in January. Can't wait. Hooray. Mm-hmm. Looks sick. Does it? Mm-hmm. Cool robot. Does it? Because I think something went very wrong at the design phase on that one. Cool robot. Mm. Okay. Look, if well, there's they can't one all be thing... The Master Gundam. If, if there's one thing that I will argue that is good about Gundam Seed and Destiny... Is that they got some real cool robots. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not make it through Destiny, so... One of them is a wolf that has beam sabers coming out of its mouth. That sucks. That's sick. <laughs> that sucks. That's Zoids. Back to Zoids, <laughs> Maybe I will, because Zoids is also sick. <sighs> Zoids did well, have Grant Morrison. Zoids, Zoids cool had Grant Morrison? Well. Did I know this? Anyhow, plugs. Who wants to talk about things? Check out Costco. They have Kirkland signature hats on purchase. I'm actually making a trip there later today for coffee. Get some Kirkland mm, signature hats to wear. They're funny to own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'll take a mm-hmm. look. I don't usually go I'm for the apparel. It. Doing it right now. Jesus yep. Christ, Chris really is wearing a Kirkland signature hat. They, co- no, they come real. in a two-pack. Of course they <laughs> This one's <laughs> great. Exactly. It's so funny that it comes in a two-pack because you're at Costco. <laughs> I know, you can't just buy a single thing at Costco. It's 
The two pack <laughs> does make works. it hilarious. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. That's why it was funny. You I, know, I get did not expect you to like just have a second hand. one fade up into frame. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh my god! That's why. Yeah. That's why you'll find out on the last podcast. I bring this up and then say, "Edit this out." It'll be a better joke on the other podcast. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can read my uh, Yuri manga or anime uh, reviews on Okazu. Uh, go to the site. There's a filter page, and under guest reviews, you can find my name and see everything I've written. Uh, I probably won't have anything new for the next little bit, but uh, we'll see. I have a couple of pitches in mind. Yeah, and how many a long time ago, in a dimension far away, you can go to journeythroughthedeckcast.com and watch me try to convince two people to talk about Karate Bugman. You should just pivot that show into something. <laughs> no, it'll be, it'll be like in Jurassic Park when they're extracting <laughs> DNA from the mosquito <laughs> and, and it will be a podcast about Megan. <laughs> Look, we're so close to my favorite show covering on it. I have to make it happen. We fill in the we fill in the gaps of the podcast sequence with a different podcast network. <laughs> it is going to be very funny when you go back to that, and they're both rusty from not recording, and you're on pitch drop wavelength. Oh no! Still, I'm still planning to just have to be able to do the villain reveal of like I have notes for the next four series between this hiatus. That is pretty good. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, man. Imagine making moves in advance. Uh oh yeah. Speaking of which, lightning strikes thrice. Uh, we're finishing up Wolfstride, and uh, I'm gonna come back for um, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter after that. God, what a bad one to yet. come back for! I've wanted to play that game for ages. I've 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 had it on my list forever, so I'm glad I, I managed to go pick one up. It is the best Breath of Fire experience you can have in English. I would. You don't, you don't need it seems like an extremely low bar. You don't need the caveat. Breath of Fire sucks ass. I think the Breath of Fire series is a perfectly solid mid-tier RPG let down You're by... You're gonna die one day. Don't play those. Some of the worst localizations of a major studio. Mm. Yikes. I, I own 3 and 4 on Virtual Console, so at some point... I want to play. We'll be back in two weeks with episodes three and four, and... Next time on, on Mobile, Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Episode three, 